edition of the CAP Impact Podcast. Every election year, McGeorge School of Law has a California Initiative Review, where our law students do an objective and nonpartisan analysis of all the ballot measures facing Californians that election. We're bringing you audio from that forum so that you can have that same nonpartisan, objective, and in-depth analysis of the 11 ballot measures facing you this election. So we're starting today with the first four propositions, all of them bond measures. You'll get a quick overview of the different types of bond measures from student John Knoble, and then we'll go into the four propositions, one, two, three, and four. Prop one is analyzed by John Ponce and Henry Mantel. Prop two, David Whitkin and Kaylin Huang. Prop three, Kevin Bursey, Sebastian Silvera, and Kaylin Huang. And prop four is Peter Leone, Sarah Steimer, and John Knoble. The whole forum is moderated by McGeorge professor and election law expert Mary Beth Moylan. So without further ado, I will hand it off to Professor Moylan. We're going to start with the bond measures, which are propositions one through four. And before we get into proposition one, we're going to get a little primer in general on bonds by student John Knoble. Come on up, John. So uh, for these propositions, they're all using what we call general obligation bonds. Now, these are bonds that California, um, if we pass the proposition, is going to commit to repay with all legally available funds. These are different, uh, different than a revenue bond where the bond is pay back, paid back from the revenue uh, from what the bond is going towards. So something like a dam that is producing hydroelectricity that is funded by a revenue bond, the sales from the electricity would pay that back. In Propositions 1 through uh, 4's case, we are going to repay the bonds through the state's general fund. Um, now, this is important to note because the interest rates for the bond and what we end up having to pay back ends up being slightly higher than what the bonds uh, fund. Uh, for example, uh, currently we have a high-grade credit rating, about an A-, minus, um, as far as everybody's concerned, whereas during the recession we had a low-medium grade. Now, this matters because it affects our interest rates. Um, if uh, a state that had the highest credit rating versus us with a low medium grade credit rating, say if we had a recession or something happened uh, within the legislature where we're not managing our funds correctly, um, for every billion dollars borrowed, we'd have to repay about $200 million more compared to the state with the highest credit rating if we had the uh, lower credit rating. I, I note this because currently California is on the hook for about $33 billion in uh, bond-related debt. We've been passing these bonds for a while now, and um, while we have been paying them back for the most part, it is something to note as we go through Propositions 1 through 4. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to uh, John and Henry for Proposition 1. So Proposition 1 is the Veterans and Affordable um, Housing Bond Act of 2018. It will authorize $4 billion in state bonds to finance existing affordable housing programs and the CalVet home loan program. $3 billion will go towards the affordable housing program that's administered by the California Housing and Community Development um, Department, and the $1 billion would go towards the CalVet home loan program that's administered by the California Department of Veterans Affairs. Specifically, voters have passed Proposition 46 in 2002, which authorized $2.1 billion towards affordable housing. And in 2006, voters passed Proposition 1C. Proposition 1 would allocate $300 billion to farm worker housing programs that assist in the construction and rehabilitation of rental and owner-occupied housing for farmers. And finally, Proposition 1 allocates $300 million to local housing trust matching grant program 
that provides matching grants to local governments and nonprofits that raise money for affordable housing. Proposition 1 would also allow the legislature to reallocate pro proceeds from these bonds among these programs as necessary to effectively promote affordable housing in the state. The cost of the $3 billion housing bond, according to the legislative, uh, to the LAO, um, would be about $170 million annually for 35 years for a total cost of $5.9 billion. So that's the affordable housing portion. Now, the $1 billion um, state bonds um, for veteran, veteran homes would finance farm, home, and mobile home purchase assistance for veterans through the CalVet home loan program. A little bit of history, CalVet has generally been financed through state bonds. The Veterans Bond Act of 2008 was the last bond measure that financed CalVet, providing $900 million. In 2014, voters passed Prop 41 to repurpose $600 million out of the $900 million to help veterans rent um, affordable housing. According to the LAO, they don't anticipate any direct cost to the state because monthly loan payments to the state have generally covered the amount owns to these bonds. And now I will pass it on to Mr. Henry Mantel to discuss about the policy considerations. Hello. So there are pros and cons. Uh, there, the proponents of Proposition 1 want you to make or want to make sure that you are aware that there is a housing crisis in California. There are 2.2 uh, million low-income renter households across the state, and they are competing for 664,000 affordable rental homes. There are about four to five in 10 households spend 30% or more on housing costs, and that's according to the California Budget and Policy Center. Um, and then according to the U.S. Census, about there are about 50,000 homeless veterans in the United States, and in California, we have about 12,000 homeless veterans. The uh, proponents insist that Proposition One, that if we pass Proposition One, investing in the existing housing programs uh, will benefit California's homeless and low-income earners, uh, as well as foster and at-risk youth, persons with disabilities, uh, the elderly, and farm workers. And $1 billion will go directly to veterans housing, making sure that veterans have affordable housing and are not homeless and don't end up on the street. And the proponents also cite numbers that say that uh, Proposition 1 will create 137,000 new jobs and pump $23.4 billion into uh, the state's economy. And the other arguments they say, there's some disagreement on this. They say that the money borrowed from the past propositions uh, as John mentioned, has already been spent. Uh, the the numbers are sometimes are a little skewed on this one. The most recent uh, auditor's report said there is about 200 million left as of this September, and uh, so. But they say that if this if this money runs out, then there will be affordable housing programs that go unfunded, and that will do a lot of damage to uh, low-income earners and uh, people who need affordable housing in the state. And the supporters are uh, numerous. There's a long list of unions, cities, businesses, and veterans groups that are supporting Proposition 1. Uh, and in contrast, the, uh, the people who are opposing this proposition are uh, insisting that uh, California already has too much debt. California has about $74.2 billion uh, in general obligation bond debt. And Proposition 1 would result in payments of $200 million annually for 35 years to pay it off. And 
and they also mentioned that uh, the money from the last initiatives has not completely run out, so borrowing more before we spent everything would be irresponsible. There aren't a lot of opponents to Proposition 1. The uh, Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, which is uh, generally very against government borrowing for anything, has not taken an official position uh, against Proposition 1. However, their president, uh, John Kupel, has. And uh, the gentleman who wrote the uh, ballot argument against Proposition 1 is named Gary Wesley, who has made it his mission since the 80s to write an opposition argument for every ballot uh, initiative that doesn't have one. So, <laughs> take that as you will. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, to conclude, a, uh, a yes vote on Proposition 1 means that the government will issue $4 billion in bonds to fund housing programs. A no vote on this measure means that the government will not issue the bonds and the housing programs will receive no extra funding. Thank you. Hello, uh, my name is David Witkin, and this is my partner, Kaylin Huang, and we're going to be discussing Proposition 2, which is the used millionaire's revenue tax for homelessness housing prevention bonds measure. Now, uh, there's gonna be three main points regarding Proposition 2 to fully understand uh, what's happening. Uh, the first one is that we have to consider Proposition 2063 uh, in 2004. We also have to consider uh, AB 1618 and AB 1628 from 2016, and then also AB 1827 from 2018. Now, as I mentioned, we'll have to go back in time to 2004 where Proposition uh, 63 was passed, establishing the Mental Health Services Act. And what that did is it charged millionaires uh, a tax of 1% on all income over $1 million. And uh, they collected that money for the purpose of funding the Mental Health Services Act, and they put that money in the Mental Health Services Fund. Now, an audit in 2015 revealed that there was a surplus of the funds from Proposition 63, and that uh, there was some mismanagement of, the, uh, of that uh, proposition in the law uh, pertinent to that proposition. So what happened is in 2016 the legislature decided to try to use those surplus funds to establish the No Place Like Home program to uh, engage in the homelessness prevention uh, housing uh, effort. And so what happened was uh, AB uh, 1618 and AB 1628 were challenged in court uh, on constitutional grounds, uh, the first of which is that because um, it, uh, the ABs were amendatory to Proposition 63, that they had to be amended through the initiative process. And the second was that even though they categorized the uh, money that they were issuing to the No Place Like Home program as revenue bonds because it was using the Proposition 63 revenue, it was in fact a general obligation bond because it attached to the taxing power regarding the uh, millionaire's tax from Proposition 63. So now uh, moving to 2018, uh, on June 27th of this year, uh, Governor Jerry Brown signed into law as urgency legislation AB 1827. Now AB 1827 makes up sections 1 through 7 of Proposition 2. What that does is it uh, satisfies both of the constitutional questions regarding the assembly bills from 2016 because not only does it properly amend Proposition 63 by initiative, it also, uh, because it was urgency legislation, had the re uh, general obligation bond passed by two-thirds of the legislature and now is properly put before the voters. And so my uh, partner, Kaylin Hong, I, I, re I do realize that this is very complicated and you'll have an opportunity to ask questions later. So Kaylin Huang is now going to explain uh, the opponents and um, uh, proponents' positions. So the proponents for Proposition 2 have a few major points. 
One is that the biggest obstacle for mental health patients that are homeless is that lack of housing. It keeps them in dangerous situation. It keeps them in that unstable lifestyle. Building uh, affordable housing and housing dedicated to them will help their recovery. In particular, for California's housing crisis, this proposition will build uh, 20,000 affordable housing units. So again, as David mentioned, a lot of the money for Proposition 63 is just sitting there and a lot of local governments aren't quite sure how to fully spend it. So this would be a great way to help mental health patients and um, push them towards recovery. So Proposition 2 will not only fund money for housing and the physical buildings themselves, it would also fund better support throughout the entire process, so not only healthcare and doctors, but also law enforcement. Now, the opposition, it's pretty clear, it's a bond act, so it's going to cost a lot of money, it's going to increase our debt. A lot of people also say that Proposition 63 money should stay with Proposition 63. The voters already voted on the goals, and we should follow what we originally intended to do with the money. Now, a lot of the proponents for Proposition um, to also are the people who are going to get a lot of the money. In particular, a lot of the money is going to go to administrative fees, to construction companies. So that is something for everyone to consider. And finally, Proposition 2 will not solve legal barriers such as zoning laws. So how fast the actual buildings can be built remains to be seen. So uh, a yes vote on Proposition 2 allows uh, $2 billion in bonds to be distributed to the No Place Like Home program for the purposes of homelessness prevention housing, and that money will be repaid primarily by the uh, surplus funds from Proposition 63. Now, uh, a no vote on Pro uh, Proposition 2 prevents those $2 billion in bonds from being released and uh, waits on the court case that's currently being uh, pending regarding AB 1618 and AB 1628 from 2016 and allows the court to determine whether it was constitutional for the legislature to release that money. Proposition 3 is the Water Supply and Water Quality Act of 2018. This is an $8.8 billion sale in general bond obligations related to water and environmental projects. In the past 18 years, $31 billion have been sold in bonds related to water and environmental projects. The money within Proposition 3 goes into seven different categories. Uh, $2.4 billion will go into watershed lands. This is uh, land that is in the forest area where the rain falls, and so the money will be used to uh, gather as much rain out of whatever falls in that area. $2.1 billion will go into water supply. This is increasing any infrastructure that needs to be updated or investing in recycling, desalinization, and upgrading disadvantaged communities' water supply. $1.4 billion will go to fish and wildlife habitat. This is money for salmon, fish, other critters in nature that need to have um, updated habitat. $1.2 billion will go for water facility upgrades, specifically related to um, canals or any uh, mechanisms that move water from where it is to where it needs to be. No money in this provision or in this section will be go toward going towards dams. In fact, uh, $500 million will be going towards the removal of a dam. $1 billion will be going towards groundwater research or um, uh, re um, 
research related to 2014 sustain groundwater sustainability law that was passed by the state. There'll be investments in making sure that our groundwater is sustainable. And then finally, $500 million will be going towards flood protection, specifically related to levee updates or uh, repairs related to the Orville Dam disaster. I will now turn it over to Kevin with uh, policy and fiscal considerations. Thank you, Sebastian. Um, so the Legislative Analyst Office came out with a projected fiscal uh, impacts report uh, for Proposition 3. The principal amount of Proposition 3 would total $8.9 billion. Um, it would take about 40 years to pay off. Um, each year, annually, it would cost the state $400 million to pay off both interest and the principal, um, adding to a total of $17.3 billion when everything's said and done to the total amount of state debt, which is about one-third of 1% 1 of the general fund budget. Uh, most of the money will go to local agencies who operate and maintain these uh, water programs. It'll save local agencies around $200 million per year uh, for the next few decades. Um, now onto the proponents and the opponents of Proposition 3. Most of them are water-related uh, water agencies and advocacy groups. The proponents' arguments are pretty simple. In general, the proponents argue that Proposition 3 is a necessary step towards tackling a variety of water issues in California, such as drought preparedness, providing safe drinking water to millions of Californians, uh, including those in disadvantaged communities, increasing mountain water runoff capture and repairing existing canals and dams, as well as improving groundwater sustainability and quality. Um, the driving what a driving force behind their arguments is that Proposition 3 uh, is a necessary step towards circumventing the federal and state legislative processes and allows voters to um, tackle these issues straight on. Uh, in particular, um, proponents argue that it will incre increase access to clean water, um, restore dams, canals, and increase water supply reliability for both surface and groundwater. Um, and with that, I'll turn it over to Kaylin, who will tell you all about the opponents to Proposition 3. So the opposition for Prop 3 uh, consists of a taxpayer group and the Sierra Club. Of course, it's a bond act. So again, increased debt and increased interest payments that California taxpayers will have to pay. In particular, it does not solve California's main problem, which is the chronic uh, lack of water, because this proposition will not build new dams or new infrastructure. The opposition also points out that it does not follow the beneficiary pays principle of water for California. In general, any water projects, whoever benefits will pay for it, but in this situation, regardless of where it is, all of California taxpayers will be paying for it. The opposition is also against California allowing so much water to run into the oceans and into parks, devoting so much to wildlife when we do need that water. And finally, $4 billion of the money are, is going to disadvantaged communities, but the opposition says that we do not know who or what constitutes disadvantaged communities. So, in conclusion, if you vote yes and the proposition wins, then the state will be able to sell almost $9 billion of general obligation bonds to fund the water projects you've just heard. 
If the answer is no, then the state cannot, and local governments will have to figure out other ways to fund these projects. So, the choice is in your hands. Go vote. Okay, hello again. Um, so, the Proposition 4, the Children's Hospital Bond Act. There we go. Okay, so, Children's Hospital uh, Bond Act. Uh, to get to the bond, I want to first talk about two initiatives before this because they are more or less the same thing. This is the third time that California is going to be voting on bonds for children's hospitals. The first two in 2004 and 2008 have uh, been passed. Uh, the first one, 2004, Proposition 61, allocated about $750 million in general obligations uh, bonds to eight nonprofit children's hospitals and uh, five University of California children's hospitals. For the University of California hospitals, they got about $30 million each, $30 million each and for the nonprofits, they got about $74 million each. Uh, how they split up the funds is based on the allocation of beds at each hospital, so more beds, more money, um, and there's really not much squabbling in be or between the hospitals for the money, so it seems like everybody is fairly happy with the funding they have uh, gotten. Now, the bond funds specifically go to capital improvement projects, which are things like building a new wing of the hospital, uh, upgrading your medical equipment, uh, things that take a lot of capital to actually do. So um, now we have 2008, Prop 3, um, that was $980 million. Same thing, it goes to eight nonprofit children's hospitals and five University of California children's hospitals. Um, for the 2004 bond, all of that money has been spent. For the 2008 bond, all the money hasn't quite been spent yet, but it's been earmarked for projects. So the projects of building a new wing have been approved. They know they're going to do it. The money's already tied up in something. Now, uh, Proposition 4 builds on that by allocating $1.5 billion in general obligation bonds to children's hospitals for capital improvement projects. Now, the noticeable differences are um, obviously the amount of money, and they added another category of hospitals that can uh, receive funding. Those are uh, CCS, California Children's... Uh, what's the last word? Services. So it's essentially a... Uh, a general hospital that has a children's wing, um, so we're getting money to them as well. They apply to the funds through the uh, through a state agency, um, essentially asking things like, uh, what is the money going to go to? Is the project shovel ready? Um, is it going to help the outcomes of sick children? So overall, though, the $1.5 billion will actually cost the state about $2.9 billion because of interest. Um, and with that, I'm going to turn it on over to my partner, Peter. Hi, everyone. Um, I'll be talking about the um, proponents' arguments for Proposition 4. Um, so these large projects done for these children's hospitals require a massive amount of funds to um, execute. And when these hospitals rely solely on um, money given to them by the legislature, it can change as you know legislative budgets are not very stable, um, depending on year by year. So these large 30-year uh, bonds allow for them to do these very massive projects like building brand new children's hospitals. And um, the proponents argue that this allows for better outcomes for children, um, especially sick children. Um, in the voter guide, they give a statistic that it has led to um, an 85% rate of um, victory over leukemia for children <laughs> because of the money that has been given to these hospitals. We weren't able to verify if this was actually the case or this is just the worldwide standard of medicine kind of raising the bar and kind of battling leukemia. 
Um, and we'll stand over to Sarah now. Thank you. Um, so I'm here to present the, the opponent's arguments for Proposition 4. I'm not going to get too much into it because a lot of the um, opponent's arguments are the same as the other propositions. Um, but there are four questions that are posed for voters by the opponents in order to, um, for people to think about when they're deciding if they're going to vote for or against uh, a bond measure. Uh, the first is the current debt the state has um, before the proposition is approved. The second is the expected cost of the state for the bond, which would include the potential interest. The third is the proposed uses for the money. And the fourth one is if the voter feels that a specific proposition is a good use of the state's money, and that's what you should base your vote on as to whether or not you're going to vote for a general obligation bond measure. Okay, and with that, uh, a yes vote on this measure is going to authorize $1.5 billion in general obligation bonds for capital improvement projects for Children's Hospital. A no vote is not going to allow that $1.5 billion for capital improvement projects, but it will avoid about $2.9 billion in uh, state money going to interest and the bonds. Thank you. Okay, now we're going to um, have some questions for Propositions 1, 2, 3, and 4, and all the students who did reports will be here and ready to go. Now, I, people are still coming through collecting questions, and so I am going to start with one that I can read. Okay. <laughs> Penmanship counts here. Okay. So this is a question for Proposition 3. Thank you. Uh, the question is, Proposition 3 costs $400 million per year to repay, but saves current water programs only $200 million a year? Question mark. Anybody want to take that one? Sure. Um, I guess the question sounds a little confused. The... the um, uh, Every year after, if, if Proposition 3 is passed, it'll take $430 million a year to pay off the interest and the principal. Um, but because most of the money from Proposition 3 goes to fund local agency projects that handle water-related projects, those local agencies save money because that money is coming from the state instead of their own coffers. I hope that helps. While you're there, uh, while you're there which dam is being removed? It is not being removed per se. It is the Magia Dam down in Ventura County. Um, it is uh, money is going towards the removal, and so it'll take a long uh, process to remove it all the way. It doesn't remove it all the way, but it removes. It helps to remove the Magia Dam down in um, Ventura. Why? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so. So the dam has is, uh, had an original capacity of 7,000 7, acre feet. It's been silted up. It was built in a bad area that wasn't designed well for dams. And so by 2020, it will have zero capacity. So their plan is to remove it, allow fish to go back and critters to go back into the habitat. We have quite a few that are kind of general bond questions. And so, um, John, I'm going to ask you this one because I know you know the answer. Uh, are the bond interest rates fixed when issued, or can they fluctuate as interest rates change? I'm going to give a uh, half answer to that. 
<laughs> because I know the half answer. I, um, the bonds end up being sold through big investment banks like uh, Charles Schwab, Wells Fargo, that sort of thing. So when the bond is actually sold, yes, the interest rate is fixed, but the bonds are released as the projects are uh, approved. So we'll have a project uh, approved in 2019 that may have one interest rate and one approved in 2020 that could have a different interest rate. So I hope that answers your question. We also have quite a few asking what the total debt is right now and what the ratio of debt is. We had one question early on that was confused because I think that in Proposition 1, there was a reference to there being $33 billion in debt, and then there are other references to $72 or $74 billion in overall general obligation bond debt. And um, the answer there, I believe, it, oh, John wants that one too. Right. So I think what the confusion was trying to prevent that is the 70 is uh, all of the bonds totaled. The 33 is the interest for those bonds. Proposition 3, we have quite a few relating to whether or not the bond funds uh, to be reallocated or will they be in any way uh, related to or applied to the Delta Tunnel project? The answer is no. Uh, <laughs> uh, there could be some auxiliary things, you know, clean up habitat that could come parallel to the tunnels, but the answer is no. So we have quite a few also of Prop 1, uh, some Prop 1 questions. There's one asking if the legislature may allocate funds among the housing programs in Prop 1, or um, are there restrictions on the allocation, and how will it be ensured that it's restricted only to housing? Um, so unlike the previous state um, affordable housing bonds, Prop 46 and Prop 1, there is language provision in Prop 1 that will allow the legislature to reallocate, you know, the programs that I've highlighted. Um, they can reallocate some of the allocations uh, that's on the proposition later on, um, as long as it's within the purpose of um, promoting affordable housing with the state. So there is a provision for them to reallocate those funds. Okay, um, so this one asks, uh, how do proposition one and two coexist? if they both provide for low-income housing. I think that David would like to take that one. Wouldn't you? Sure. So um, the best way to think about this is actually uh, an idea that our wonderful instructor came up with, is to think about it as a Venn diagram. So the, uh, Proposition 1 is, is providing um, certain services to homeless veterans, and then also Proposition 2 is providing housing for homeless individuals with me uh, mental health issues. And uh, obviously some of those homeless veterans will also be individuals with mental health issues, so there will be some overlap for that group of people getting funding from both propositions, but in general, uh, there, it wouldn't be uh, much of a conflict. And, and further, the individuals that are receiving the, the double uh, funding would be just uh, homeless veterans with mental illness. Okay, we're going to give one to Prop 4. I think every proposition will have had one. That'll be good. Um, so, Proposition 4, private hospitals do not get these funds. Why should public? Is this a good use of state funds? Now, I'm going to just go out on and say, like, the students have studied these. They're not going to tell you, though, whether it's a good use of funds. That's your decision to make based on the facts. We're trying as best we can to provide the facts. So we, we don't 
We don't do, um, we do objective and neutral. Okay, but you can answer the first one about private hospitals versus public. So I'm going to answer this from the perspective of the CHHA, the Children's, uh, California Children's Hospital Association, who ended up writing this bond measure, um, saying that I don't know, but the way they wrote it, um, there's not argument uh, between them about why certain hospitals get it, so they've resolved that internally. Um, and they seem to be happy with it, so. Okay. I, do you want to add, Peter? Go ahead. Um, Many of the nonprofit hospitals that do receive funds are private institutions. The Stanford Children's Hospital, the Loma Linda Hospital, they're all private institutions. It's just as a matter of what kind of services you provide to children that qualify you for these bonds. Yeah, that's a really important note. The other thing that, that they usually note, but I told them to go really quick um, because of our time constraints, but Sarah usually mentions in the opponent's side on the Children's Hospital Bond Act, which I think is just worth noting, is that the, the funders, the, if you go and you look, the beauty is we have um, all sorts of great disclosure laws. So you can find out who is putting money in for all of these propositions. And I encourage everyone to do so. The Secretary of State's website, sos.ca.gov, like help, california.gov, um, is really a very good interactive site. You can find out um, the, there's Cal Access is linked there, which shows you who's funding the various measures. And largely, the proponents of Proposition 4, almost entirely, right? Entirely, um, are the people who will be receiving the bond, the bond funds. Okay, so all the hospitals have put in um, like half a million dollars each, at least. One has put in over a million dollars. What's that? Okay, thank you to my husband. Each of them put in 1.3. Um, and, uh, and so they've all put in a lot of money for, um, for this bond act, and they're going to see a large return on it. But I think that, again, that's not illegal. There's nothing wrong with that per se, but it's information that I think is a fact that people should think about and know. Thanks again for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts or subscribe to the Cap Impact Podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We are at Cap Impact CA on both of those platforms, or you can check out our website, www.capimpactca.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. Talk to you again next week.